Hello there, I'm Chris Stashu. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we are the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a podcast about Twilight Zone. Which Twilight Zone, you might ask? Twilight Zone 1985. But at some point, we're going to cover the 2000 show because Father Malone just loves it. Loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. All lies. This is lies. Well, on this episode, we're not talking about the 2000 show. We are talking about 1985's Twilight Zone, and we are rounding out the second season of the show. And I think I speak for the three of us in saying, how did we get here so fast? Yeah, blinding speed. It feels like we just started recording about the second season. It's like someone just jumped in a trash can and pushed it down a hill at full speed. We're just going down fast as possible, man. I don't. Well, I think in this case, it was definitely that they, you know, cut the season in half and said we're going to save the back half for season three. So. Yeah, no, that's fair, but it just it feels like it's still these episodes are just flying by. Well, yeah, but you know, compared to season one, it took it took a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fair. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about the final two episodes of season two. They would have been put together at one point. They're not now, but we're going to talk about them as one. We're talking about Song of the Younger World and The Girl I Married. So Song of the Younger World is directed by Noel Black, written by Anthony Lawrence and Nancy Lawrence. It aired July 17th, 1987, and it stars Jennifer Rubin, Paul Benedict, Roberts Blossom, again, second time he's shown up on the show, and Pete Kawanko. You know, that, everybody's that, favorite, Pete Kawanko. Was that the uh, that was the, the main kid? Yeah, he's real great. He's so good. He's like so good that he was like, you know. Oh, my God. I've never seen grief displayed so oh, just <laughs> actually amazing that that I'm shocked we haven't heard more from him. Where is he? Has he done any? Oh, he did nothing else. It's OK. Hey, not everybody is going to have a great acting career. We can't all be Robert's Blossom. It's true. No. You can't show up twice in the same show. <laughs> yeah. Or Fred Gwynn. Yeah, yeah, also that. So uh, what did you guys think of this segment? It was um, had an interesting setup. It's like this kid loved Jack London. <laughs> sure. It, yeah. felt like, it felt like the weirdest introduction. It's like, he likes Jack London. Yes, and? It pays off. Come on. The, sure. It, though? Well, he turns into a wolf. Oh, spoilers. I will ask, though, does him turning into a wolf have anything to do with Jack London, or is that just the most convenient, stupidest animal they could transform? (laughs) Well, there is, like, White Fang and all those things from the Jack London book, so I guess I can see that, but... But Why Jack... Like, why... I don't get it, and I don't get that like ancient book of evil that she's reading from. <laughs> I don't if get. You focus on it long enough, you'll see the door. Uh, I don't <laughs> I get why expecting... I said Fred Gwynn instead of Paul Benedict. I'm just completely confused. <laughs> I was expecting. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, I was too. I didn't. I was. I just assumed you were mentioning Fred Gwynn because Fred Gwynn's awesome. No, a, yeah, a that's what. <laughs> tall man with a rectangular head. Yeah. You know? I'm just I... as God made me, sir. Exactly. The best Paul Benedict line of all time. Oh, my God. Uh, But I will. You know what I'll tell you? That door that they see on the page, I expected it to open and the dream worms to come out from Freddy's dead because that's all it looked like was that weird, like ancient door in the 3D part that they tried to shoehorn into that movie. Because that would be appropriate here, given Jennifer Rubin's involvement. That's why I thought about it. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Rubin, though. Poor lady. This episode is a mess <laughs> i say po- i say poor lady to jennifer rubin because of how bad this episode is. yeah i mean it 
it just feels like they stuck a bunch of ideas in a blender and this is what kind of came out of it came crawling out just going yeah we're somewhere in like a love story and the father doesn't like her and him and i'm like okay yeah okay we've seen that before that's good stick with that it's a pretty tried and true formula and then yeah there's the jack london thing there's the ancient book of evil thing <laughs> like, the best what part is, yeah i'm like okay she's reading the necronomicon all right but it doesn't seem to have any ill effects other than they get turned into wolves at the end but they're together forever and in her dreams she's beautiful and bad that's true <laughs> God. um what an extensive library this boys reformatory has huh yes that they have yeah. the necronomic on there and nothing makes me hate a lead character more than watching them mutilate a book mm. and and he's cutting these pictures of wolves out of this book and all i can think is like is that your book son and as right. it turns out it was not well with a name like mordecai hawkline one would one would expect that he doesn't care what the law has to say sir Good old Mordecai Hawkline. Look, when you have a segment this nonsensical, (laughs) it gets to the point where by the end of it, I don't really have any expectation what's going on or what's going to happen. So you have Roberts Blossom just shooting a guy point blank. Yeah. And then about to shoot another guy point blank who's tied up on the ground. And then he turns into a wolf, maybe, or he doesn't. Who knows? I don't because this episode is operating on this like wishy-washy logic that the show all of a sudden seems to be operating on, which is no rules matter if we don't establish them. And if we don't establish rules, we can do whatever the fuck we want. And that seems to be all of a sudden what this show is doing. It's just like magical logic. Like, of course, there's a book that can transform you into wolves. It's Twilight Zone. Like, rubber stamp with Twilight Zone, let's move on. It's really lazy. It feels like a bunch of writers uh, came in uh, second season after everybody else left, and they wanted to get their magical romance story out. And I, I don't know what was in their head that they thought that this was in any way interesting. That, that, that It's very writerly with the Jack London thing and, uh-huh. you know, the, uh, the sort of overbearing religioso uh, uh, reformatory warden, which, by the way, if... By the end, it, he's pretty convinced that this kid is a uh, a Satanist or a, a minion of evil in some way. So when he goes to aim at the kid and sees the supernatural thing happening, why wouldn't he just pull the trigger immediately? Like that might have actually redeemed the episode in my mind where it, the kid has proven that in this guy's mind that he's a Satanist and he shoots and kills him and he doesn't get to go to the other world. Uh, but good Lord, just, uh, you know, I don't know. It. it Occasionally we get episodes where I feel like these are people who have no business writing speculative fiction. They're just telling whatever story they would have told on any series and they just throw in a magic book and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, it feels like some sort of some sort of an exquisite corpse where those writers came in. One guy started the story, had to get, you know, had to run out for some cigarettes. (laughs) Next guy started (laughs) going for it. I think my favorite thing is at the end, they're like, Paul Benedict's like, they're going somewhere where you can't hurt them. Like, yeah, except for the fact that they're turning into wolves. Yeah. Are they magic wolves? Are they wolves of the earthly plane? Because if they're wolves of the earthly plane, history would suggest that being a wolf is pretty target painted on your back for a lot of reasons, be they real or perceived a la werewolves. Uh Um, 
So I was kind of, again, I, I assume that they're being transported to some magical plane, but again, because the show doesn't take a stance, I can't take a stance either, and I'm not going to do the work for the show, uh, because that's not our job. Our job is to critique it, not fill in the blanks, or try to make it into something somewhat halfway intelligible. So. Did you catch Paul Benedict's character's name? Hokey. Perfect. There it is, everybody. That's the whole episode. I mean, I caught it because they said it a million times. <laughs> is is Hokey the na- is Hokey a person's name or was that a job? I think it was his name. I've never. Yeah. I don't know what I've a Hokey never Hokey before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't never heard Hoke anyone Mosley. named Hokey before. So, did you say Hoke Mosley? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm re- trying to reference anything better than what we had to watch. Right. Well, Mike yeah. already Mike already beat it, beat us to it with Paul Benedict's line from Spinal Tap. So yeah, yeah there you which go. I quote more often than I would like to admit. I'm just <laughs> God made me, sir. <laughs> Who is this fruit? <laughs> this old fruit. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I look. I have no frame of reference for Paul Benedict other than that scene in Spinal Tap. I've never seen any of the Jeffersons. <laughs> I've seen him on Sesame Street, but as a child. So if he's, I would go as far as to say that he has better things to do than be on this show with how poorly his character is written. Yeah. Give him the full episode. I mean, I love the guy. Yeah. Him and Robert's, I mean, Robert's Boston got one of the better episodes of the entire series um, in uh, season one. Um, And you know, goddamn him because he walks on screen. I'm like, oh, I get excited. Like it's been bad up until he walked on, but now he's here. And like, oh right. man, he can't even save it. Nope, nothing could save this. This is this. Se- I wouldn't cl- classify this as like one of the worst segments we've seen, but it's just so forgettable. Truly. Yeah. And the second to last time we're gonna hear Charles Aidman do the narration. God yeah. damn it! Which is a real shame, given. What we get what out we, of Robin yeah. Ward. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, the, boy. The, yeah, boy. So do we want to move on to the next segment? Please. <laughs> yes. As if as if it's going to get any better, let's talk about the girl I married. It has been said the 80s are just the 60s 20 years later. The costumes may change, but the cast remains. The arrogant, the radical, the naive and the cynical, the misplaced and the spaced. Each a stage in the growth of a generation as it treads the tail end of the 20th century on a long journey through the Twilight Zone. So The Girl I Married is a story about fucking your wife while not fucking your wife, while your wife's fucking you, but she's not fucking you. It's written by uh, J.M. DeMattis. It's directed once again by Philip DeGuerre because... I guess he was bored. Um, it stars Linda. I think Kelsey. they're running out of money at this point. Yeah, it stars Linda uh-huh. Kelsey, James Whitmore Jr., and Dennis Patrick. And as I kind of let on at the beginning of us talking about this episode, James Whitmore Jr. plays a man, a yuppie, who's married to Linda Kelsey's character, and they're falling out of love. They're they're remembering the days of past of how they used to be, and all of a sudden, the next day, James Whitmore's character sees his wife from the pictures in the park. My wife. I like <laughs> a great success. You know, Chris, when you, you described it uh, initially about a guy fucking his wife, who is his wife. And like, to me, th- there was actually a germ of a good idea in oh, yeah. this episode. Like the oh. idea of cheating on your spouse with your spouse could have been an interesting thing. If they had gone in a, like a science direction with clones or something. Um, but 
Instead, they wrapped it in this like nostalgic fantasy for baby boomers. Right, and yeah. it, like, I didn't think they were going to get to a level of pure hatred on my part for this show. This episode, I fuck. This is the worst one. I fucking hated it. I, you know me, Chris. Know. I'm not one. I'm not one for nostalgia, like in general. But like, there's something particularly grating about baby boomer nostalgia. Like they shoved their goddamn youth down our throats and then uh, turned into this other nightmare. They, by the way, these these are not yuppies because these people are not young. So fuck them. Um, but <laughs> but then like get to this point where then they're going to wax nostalgic and long for this thing. And OK, putting all that aside. Just on a like a weirdly sort of plot level, at the end, they kind of is the is the idea that they've accepted what total fucking dead dreamed assholes that the entire generation had become. Like that yeah. was that was that was what we're supposed to take away with it, right? Like correct. Fuck, fuck are you? That was all stupid. You right. wide-eyed, bushy-tailed shitheads, don't you know it's all about money? <laughs> <laughs> you the bums lost, Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> it's um what 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 cracks me up about this entire premise is if you were to explain to your significant other that you had spent the day with them as a younger version of themselves, uh -huh. like Father Mullen said, that's an interesting idea, but you don't just like stop there. Right. That's where no. it stops. It like stops at that. It's like, man, you're such a fucking drag because you don't want to do LSD anymore. Like, okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't yeah. most normal folks aren't just gonna do LSD on a weekday, anyways. Like there's well, that weird moment no, when I lived through the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that weird moment when he's talking about like pina coladas and 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 something in the rain. And I'm just oh. like, what? What are you guys talking about? This is so strange. <laughs> well, what, it, what makes me laugh oh, it was I, you. I edited you earlier today, Father Malone, on an episode of this show talking about Aquavita, the episode featuring yuppies, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That was definitely a yuppie one. This is worse than that. It is. 100% it is. Uh -huh. Like, if this had been, like I said, on just a pure plot level, these people, like, conjure up their younger selves, and then we get something like the younger selves murder them and take their place, or so if something, something had happened, instead of this ugly nostalgia trip by the way it starts off <laughs> the opening scene is the lead character sitting at a business lunch and he's staring at a photo of his young wife right when she was when she was younger how natural is that as a setup wow. how often i mean i find myself constantly just taking out photographs of my wife and staring at her while someone's trying to talk to me yeah yeah like actual physical photographs not even like <laughs> yeah. looking at stuff on your phone <laughs> right just <laughs> carry around i take it out of the wallet yeah. i hold it up and i stare all it right. makes me think of is that gag in naked gun why does he have a picture of your wife martha martha my wife <laughs> I mean, who carries around pictures of the significant other oh i mean i guess people in the 80s could have but um my favorite thing actually father malone about that opening scene is the guy goes who's that who is that in that picture yeah. bro right. that's that guy's wife her hair yeah. is still red, bro. Like <laughs> it's still clearly her. What's happening know, here? I didn't know yeah. where it was going. I thought that like there was like a weird like mistaken identity thing going on. And then when it gets back to their house, I was like, oh, okay, that's where this stupid ass episode is going. Just gonna be stupid. How about that super cool Woodstock like split screen triopter? Ooh, oh my god! What the fuck was oh, going on with that? Let's I was break just that like, down, please. Oh my god! Well, it was so strange too. Where it was just like. 
it's kind of a split screen, but not really. It's like two seconds behind. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm just like, I rewatched sisters recently and I'm like, yeah, this is how you do split screen here, folks. And then you're watching this. It's like, what, what is happening? And yeah. Why is it like four screens going on? I'm they just- hadn't hit their <laughs> editing budget yet. Wow. That's what it was. They're like, we have some extra money left. Can we just be fucking obnoxious? Yeah. Let's get the video toaster going. <laughs> I was waiting for like some star wipes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. God. Let's get let's get Tim let's get Tim Jennison of Tim Vermeer's fame video toaster out. <laughs> he just probably made a couple dollars by us mentioning it. So video toaster. There's three more dollars. Uh, it, it, it what what's sad about this segment is the same thing that I feel like has plagued this season more so than the first one. These just like melancholy saccharine ass stories oh, that yeah. are wish fulfillment stories. Like I wish I could talk to my former self and tell him that things are going to be okay. Like the only people that want to do that are people who are fucking miserable assholes. Like the people in this episode. Right. I mean, we've gone all the way to your point from earlier. We've gone all the way from shatter day where it's like, you know, the guy disappears once his other version shows up and something is going on and there's stuff going on in that episode. It's very interesting. It's fascinating stuff. And here we have two people from the past showing up and yeah, maybe they take their places. Maybe something happens. Maybe there's a fight. Maybe there's, I was waiting for the old guy to start punching out the young guy, but then his fake beard would have flown off. Yeah, <laughs> he was punching something, but he wasn't punching the other guy. He was punching that man's wife with ah. his tongue on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> he was tongue punching her, but not oh. like that. But maybe because the other guy was tongue punching his why? Uh. Yeah, I loved how uh, he, like he got outraged at his wife with the younger version of himself while he's right. been spending day after day with the younger version of her. Yeah, and like I mean. If they had done at least something like maybe they remembered themselves as idealistic and then they meet themselves and realize, no, they were assholes from the get go. Like, at least there would have been something here. But this was just like like a, a, a longing for a time that no longer exists and then repudiating it for I don't I don't know. This this is very bad. <laughs> well, all they did was bang the entire episode, more or less. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the funny thing is like given the opportunity to talk to your past self and interact with them, you're just like, yeah, I want to bang. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm surprised he didn't fuck the, his younger self and she yeah. fucks her younger <laughs> self. Sure. There would have been that something would be the, interesting. That would be the version that they would have now. Right. It's yeah, like right. I'm actually bisexual. I want to have sex with myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Black Mirror, Andrew Mackey kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Right. The pinnacle of quality. But yeah. that would even be more interesting than this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Instead, what we're getting, or what has slowly dawned on me, is that every writer on the staff of this show has a time travel, lost love, or like you know, lost youth episode in them. And now that they're like everyone really good is gone, everyone's going to get the trot theirs out. We had an episode earlier this season like this. Or wait, we're going to see this more in the next one. I'll talk about it in the next one. J.M. Mattis is Demattis is really good at writing comic books. That's the sad thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, but comic books are comic books, and you this know, is teleplay is a teleplay. No, it's this is not like, a comic book. They're right. apples and oranges. I mean, you know, I everyone gets a little too hung up on like, oh, this is just like a, a storyboard of a movie, and it's like, yeah, it kind of is, but the dialogue blows. Like, say it all out loud. You'll see what we're talking about. Right, man. What I, a what can, a great can I just say season. 
yeah, I, 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 in my notes, this is this is the one thing I wrote that uh, I'd like to share with everyone. Baby boomer nostalgia. There's nothing more disgusting in the world. <laughs> I thought you were going to like have a whole poem there. <laughs> <laughs> Baby boomers, feed them to the wolves. Yes, I said it. Feed them to the wolves. End scene. <laughs> I mean, look, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, let's not kid ourselves. The baby boomers, the reason we're in the situation we're in financially in so many ways. So, yes, watching a nostalgic waxing wistfully about your lost love means go fuck yourself to me because I know where you end up as a generation. You're ending up on Facebook telling me about your MAGA hats and how the election was stolen. So there I said it because Mike won't. (laughs) Because some sort of. Lefty loon. <laughs> I mean, that's that is where these characters would be if they were alive now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. And what, what's funny is that. the thing that they end up sort of discounting are the only good things from their generation, which was the sort of cultural things and that the you know the, the the shift away from sort of conformity of clothing and whatever, like all the good stuff that still remains from them. This episode is saying like, that was all crap. Yeah. But yeah, to your point, I would have loved, like he meets his younger version of his wife and yeah, she's all about boning, but then she starts talking about like fucking crystals and, you know, drugs and just like, Hey, yeah, let's let's just do, you know, our thing, man. Let's you know, And suddenly she becomes like one of those horrible girls from uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, where you're just like, get out of my car. I don't want your, your stinky feet on my dashboard. Thank you very much. I like how she says the older version of herself says, I used to look like a bag lady. Really, bro? Really, bro? Really? You used to look like yeah. a bag lady? Right. Oh, yeah, because the, the, there's nothing worse than the homeless in mid 80s. Well, and and now, to be fair, because who doesn't hate the homeless but every major city in this country when they take away benches for them to sleep on? Yeah. Or put spikes on them. That's oh, the best. Oh, that's even better. Give them somewhere to sleep but make it inhospitable for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's it, this this segment, for whatever reason, like you've said, Father Malone, it really rubs me the wrong way. More so than a lot of the other baby boomerish nostalgia episodes have. And I wonder, I wonder if with like the newer stuff 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, how it'll be received made the same way. I can't imagine it won't be. Look, nostalgia has its place and it can be done skillfully and artfully and you can get something from it. But so far, what this series has shown us as far as traveling down the nostalgia avenue is it's all bullshit. Please don't do it anymore. Yeah. Boy, that should be the tagline for this season. This is all nostalgia. Stop it. (laughs) So with season two in our rearview mirror, we should do a little bit of a wrap up here. So starting with you, Mr. Mike White, favorite segment of the season, least favorite segment of the season. That's tough, man. Oh, because this season, like you're saying, it feels very short. I guess it has to be saucer loneliness going all the way back to that episode with Shelly Duvall. That one actually really hit home. That one. And I'm going to also say, I actually liked the convex piano quite a bit because it was short and sweet, told a nice little story and he got Norman fell in it. What's you father Malone. Uh, I echo that. Um, uh, definitely saucer of loneliness. Like I thought that was what I want from the twilight zone is particularly what I wanted from uh, this new version of the twilight zone. Um, 
there are a couple others that I liked, I think are still passably good. Even that the Elvis one, I think is fun in its own bizarro way. Uh-huh. Uh, but we just watched and we're talking about my least favorite episode of the season. It was just utter garbage. So I actually would go with the toys of Caliban only because it completely subverted my expectations given I watched like the first five minutes because I just had left it on and I needed to stop it. And I saw whatever the fuck was going on in the first five minutes. And I thought this is going to be the train wreck that I have been waiting for. It turned out not to be. It was Uh very good. I would say it barely eked out the road less traveled. I know I liked that one a lot. You can go back and listen to our episode on that, but toys of Caliban was good. And ah, the worst one Man, there's a lot of competition this season. I mean, it feels like half of the episodes this season could be considered just bad. Uh, I'm going to go with Night Song because that <laughs> is just like, what was that even? Yeah. I, I'm still stinging so much from Grace Note. And then oh, I'm like, oh, wow, wait, no, yeah. that's the first season. So I can't count that. I but I'm just like, what's the worst one I've seen in a while? That one. I was really disappointed that none of us said Joyride as the worst because, boy, that's up there, too. Oh, yeah. I, I at least like the concept of this stationary car and it, it, you know, existing in another time, like barreling down roads. For some reason, that image alone, and it was a short one, too. It wasn't uh, it, it, it wasn't this half hour of my baby boomer fucking nostalgia, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus age Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, Father Malone, huge fan of baby boomers. <laughs> you know what? You, you know what? I don't think my generation is uh, any great shakes either, but like, I will dope slap anyone who uh, uh, traffics in this kind of nostalgia. It's gross. And they were trafficking in it like 20 years after it happened. I mean, it's interesting because I, I'm not remembering this season being particularly strong, but there are some good episodes in here. You know, you yeah. guys have mentioned some, even thinking about the one with George Went, what was that, The World Next Door or something? Yeah. Time um, and Teresa Golowitz, another yeah, good one. Exactly. And I, I think if memory serves like the idea behind the card was good, but it didn't, it wasn't executed properly. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, the Joe yeah, Montana one. That's a good the one. Joe Montana, that's a good one. Yes, that's a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, you know, I think though, this season is probably much less successful than the last one, which is fucking strange given that the last one has twice as many episodes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because all of those ones that we've mentioned have, some sort of a twist to it and some sort of supernatural thing going on. And too many of these just don't have the twist and they just start in one place. I mean, them turning into wolves. I'm sorry. I don't really consider that a twist. You know, it's just like, all right, they turned she into had, wolves. She growled at him though. You didn't see that coming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's father. Mullen, this doesn't feel as bad as Chronicles from the crypts fall off, but feel like give it another season and it might be <laughs> it's i think if they if they continue uh letting these writers write the majority of the show look it's gonna get worse uh, there's just no question about it like i i think the 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 quality drop from season one to season two is kind of precipitous yeah. here in, here in twilight zone land and i do think that's because when it was announced that there was gonna be a new twilight zone show like uh, every sort of high-end 
like decent author and television person wanted to get on that show because they loved the show when they were kids. And after their treatment in the first season, they bailed and we were left with everybody else. And that's what we're getting. And now we're going to get it's going to get even worse because these people are most are mostly going to go because they're moving the entire production to Canada. Uh, Sounds like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, like, let's send it to England. You know what, though? As bad as any of these seasons could be, nothing will be as bad as season seven of, of Tales from the Crypt. So yeah. I'm hopeful. A season that needs to be jettisoned at high speed into the sun. Ne- all versions of it. No ex- recordings need to exist. That's how bad it is. <laughs> but, I mean, this season, I, I look, they're like less than half of the season is worth checking out, which is a shame. There's like 15 episodes, so. They're still good, though. I mean, yeah. you know. Shelter Skelter and fucking uh, Saucer Loneliness, like or as, as I would, I would, I would not see them out of place in season one. No, I would agree. Yeah, but man, this just it's such a bummer. <laughs> it yeah. Really, just thinking, Mike. You keep you mentioned Shatterday, and I just think about yeah. Shatterday from time to time when I watch the show, and I'm just like, what has happened here? <laughs> yeah, man, they started strong, right? I know it's almost like Tales from the Crypt. Like they start so strong and like, you're just like, well, you have nowhere else to go, but down, I guess. They needed more rock Neo Bannon, but he left yeah. to do Sequest DSV, which was almost this show. <laughs> Remember huh. that? Wait, do what? When you first approached me about doing right. podcast separately, you were right. like, let's do Sequest DSV. No one's done that. I'm like, no, but there's a guy involved with it that I'd like to talk about. Yeah. Oh, funny. Coincidentally, he did leave this show quickly. <laughs> so... So on the next episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be taking a look at the first and second episodes of the final season of the show. Those episodes are The Curious Case of Edgar Witherspoon and Extra Innings. So until then, Father Malone, where can people find you? Uh, you can check me out. At, out. Whoa. See, I, went, I just went, went to Canada. You went to Canada. Yeah. Well, I'm getting ready for the, for the next season. Uh, you can check me out. Uh, over at fathermalone.com. I've got links to all of the stuff that I do, uh, including my uh, half-hour radio drama, Dark Destinations. You can also uh, find links to the Almost Over Chronicles from the Crypt, the show that Chris and I just uh, mentioned, and uh, and my YouTube channel. At this point, it is long over. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's done, but you can still dead. get it. Yeah, you can still find it. So Father Malone and I and Mike and I have both finished a podcast together. So there you go. And we're going to finish this one together as well. So sooner than later. Yeah. (laughs) Where can people find you, Mike? As always, you can find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. You can also hear Chris and I talk about Barney Miller on the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast, which I think is available at barneymillerpodcast.com and yeah um and then i sell some dreams with y'all yeah not for long not for much longer we'll be selling dreams until they're on liquidation which i think is coming soon as for me you can find me on twitter at christmas claus and at cstashu.com that's my link tree (laughs) mike 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 lamenting how dumb link trees were. <laughs> it's okay. I got one still. So. Oh, do you have one? Okay. Yeah. Damn. I created it for when we did that live podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know if anybody uses it and I can't track that information. I do. You what? I use link tree. Yeah. You oh, sure well, do. I mean, like, oh, like, I don't know how many people go to it and click through is what I mean. Oh, I see. You should though. Yeah. Well, 
You should. Agreed. But uh, you can find me here and uh, on Twitter at Christmas Claus. Big thanks always to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for this podcast. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.